you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the Podcast Network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. This is your Monday Locked On NFL, bringing you the biggest stories and local experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network. And our Monday show is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Week 14 in the NFL with enormous playoff implications as we move toward January and another NFL postseason. The Kansas City Chiefs keep pace in the AFC race. They move to 12-1 and with a 33-27 win over the Dolphins after Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions, one of his worst games, if not his worst game as a pro, and the Chiefs still rip off 30 straight points, and they look like the team to beat at this point in the season. And that win became even more important because on Sunday night, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Buffalo Bills 26-15, to and they look to be in a little bit of trouble in the AFC, especially with the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens playing tonight. Pittsburgh has not looked like a real AFC contender the last few weeks, while Buffalo, they have. The Browns certainly did last week. We'll see what they look like tonight. And then in the NFC, the Eagles, starting Jalen Hurts, they beat the New Orleans Saints, and the Packers hang on to beat the Detroit Lions 31-24 to retake the number one spot in the NFC. They also clinch the NFC North. And that Saints-Eagles game was important for other reasons because it centered around a new quarterback in Philadelphia. It was arguably the biggest story in the NFL all week. The questions about Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts' first career start, the Philadelphia Eagles put all of the noise to rest. And in doing so, Created a lot more noise with a 24-21 win over the New Orleans Saints. Joining me now from Locked On Eagles, Gino Camilleri and Gino. Jalen Hurts, a buck 61 through the air in the touchdown. Was not spectacular there, but 100 yards uh, on the ground on 18 carries. Miles Sanders added 115 plus the 82-yarder. And the Eagles get a huge win here. So I, I guess the, the first question is, now what? Well, first things first, Pete, you're welcome for getting you the first <laughs> overall seed in the NFC right now. So you're welcome for that, for beating New Orleans today. Thank you, thank you. And just go figure that the Eagles would do this once again. And it just reminds me of their big victory over New England in 2015. And once again, we're sitting here. You said it. Now what? We're sitting here once again for the third season in a row, needing to basically win out to get to the playoffs. But I think... Things are so much bigger than the playoffs right now. You're sitting a game and a half out with only three to go. Washington looks like the most dominant team in the division. Yep. Right now, 
you're using all of this time to see if Jalen Hurts truly is that guy. And you said it today. He wasn't spectacular. But he gave you something to look forward to. He gave you a spark when the offensive line wasn't working, and it's been dreadful. I mean, you've seen 11 or 12 different combinations this entire season. Jalen Hurts, with his athletic ability, was always going to be the better option, especially when you're playing a defense like New Orleans today, who you have to play 11 on 11 nearly every snap to get them to get out of their structure. And I think their overall game plan today was pretty solid. I thought they used Hertz great. I thought they used Miles Sanders great. I don't think they asked Jalen to do anything too crazy. But now what? You got three more games to evaluate Jalen Hurts, see if he truly is the guy moving forward, and see what parts of this team are going to be elements that you think you can win with moving forward in 21 and 22. Yeah, the thing that strikes me about this is with the coaching, because I think Doug mm-hmm. Peterson was was coaching for his job a little bit. And, and certainly there are questions about the future of this team with their cap. That has been uh, an essential part of the Carson Wentz discussion because the cap situation in Philly is a complete disaster. And this is the kind of game, at least to me, that says, no, Doug Peterson is actually still a really good coach because he was able to come in against a really good defense, a defense that's been playing out of its mind and put together a game plan with a rookie quarterback making his first career start to get a win here. What did you see from Peterson here? And do you think I'm on the right track? Absolutely. I I thought this entire time it it was kind of a three-headed dragon that you had to evaluate for your future. The three pillars of this Eagles organization, Howie Roseman in the front office, Doug Peterson as your head coach, and Carson Wentz potentially as your franchise quarterback. And we thought, what would be one of the first three pillars to drop? That goes to be Carson Wentz. And and you said it, Pete. Excuse me. He was coaching for his job today, I would say, in a sense, because if this team was going to come out they just benched their quarterback and they just are flat, I would think you have questions about, okay, did Doug lose the locker room? But once again, for another season, you're changing your quarterback with four games left to play. This It seems like a yearly tradition now. And this team went out there, played above expectation, in my opinion. And you go out there, a team that hasn't allowed a, 50, uh, a 100-yard rusher in 55 consecutive games, you go out there and get two individuals to do that. That just goes to show that Doug still has the juice. They are getting into a rhythm of bringing in Rich Scangarello, bringing in Press Taylor to kind of do some of those situational type play callings, and they're figuring out that formula. And when you're playing a defense, like I said, like New Orleans, is that it's going to be sound. They're going to be good in coverage. They're going to be good against the run. Jalen Hurts with his legs today. You had the ability of not having much tape on him. I think that was a huge part of it, and I think Doug Peterson knew that bringing in this quote-unquote unknown in Jalen Hurts should have been a spark, and I was glad to see it too. I I still think they have work to do in getting all three phases left to go. I think defense did well today, offense did well, and special teams has so much left to be desired. So there's still big overall franchise issues, but in regards to Doug Peterson, his unit, arguably the best game they've had all year. Well, and and something that they were able to do this week that they were not able to do last week, and that was put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this is supposed to be the strength of their team, and you get five sacks in this game. You hit Taysom Hill twelve times. Now, part of that is because he is not a natural drop back passer, but the Saints don't ask him to do a lot of natural drop back things. The thing was, he attempted thirty eight passes in this game because they needed him to. To your point, because the defense was doing what you needed to do. Is that something that you think 
they can hang their hat on here and maybe win some of these games. You know, Jalen Hurts, just don't just don't beat up, just don't lose the game for us. Don't beat us and the defense and the run game can can get it done. Much in the same way, the Saints have won games with Taysom Hill. Definitely so. And going back to your last question in regards to Doug Peterson, I kind of think that Doug knew that that was an element that he had to bring to this. And he was, in essence, coaching for his job, like you said. And why would you put somebody out there in Carson Wentz who's a ticking time bomb this season? He's just thrown away game after game. If you're coaching for your last for your job in these last four games, you need to do what is best for yourself. And ultimately, Doug Peterson, right. I believe that was a huge element in that. And good on him for knowing when to cut the cord today. And hey, man, Jalen Hurts, the kid has been through through so much adversity going from Alabama, getting benched in that national championship game, going to Oklahoma, being the runner up in the Heisman to an all franchise and unbelievable NCAA season in Joe Burrow. And that just goes to show you how good Jalen was. He comes Mm -hmm. in in this situation where he was never going to be an option. And now he potentially is the guy hats off to him for his first career victory against an unbelievable saints team. I think if he turns out to be a bust, so be it. But if not, you just saw what this team had in in the leadership and Doug Peterson and being able to get guys no matter who they are. If they're an undrafted rookie, if they're uh, Nick Foles who came back to your franchise and left and came back again. I mean, Doug Peterson has been able to do it time and time again. Hats off to him and his crew. Hats off to Jalen Hurts. I thought today was a step in the right direction for this franchise, and it is good to know that they still have guys willing to go out there and win some big games when it matters. Has to be a little extra special for Jalen that he went out and and won and beat a really good football team mm-hmm. the same day that Tua Tagovailoa lost to the Kansas oh, City definitely. Chiefs. Gino, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Pete. It was great. One of the few early games with playoff implications have pitted the Minnesota Vikings against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a totally bizarre game. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings blow it, frankly, with a slew of missed kicks. Dan Bailey misses four kicks, three field goals, and an extra point. And the Buccaneers win 26-14, giving the Buccaneers a much better chance at a playoff spot and really putting a major dent in the Vikings' chances. Joining me now from Locked On Bucks, David Harrison. David, this Buccaneers team has been so up and down this season. This has been one of those games that really, I would say we haven't really seen from them where they got a lot of of uh, luck from the other team and and still found a way to win. Yeah, you know, Peter, I mean, I don't know that I really subscribe to the luck theory. I've seen that. I've seen that a lot around social media. I get where that comes from, you know, with Dan Bailey missing those kicks. I'm not saying it was a lucky win. I'm saying that that they just benefited from some unlucky breaks from the right, other right. team. Yeah, and I totally get that. But I still kind of lean on, you know, the opening opening series of the of the game. Like the, the Buccaneers have a sack uh, to end that first series that knocked the Vikings out of field goal range and you know uh, pressure is accumulative and if Dan Bailey is able to come out and kick a field goal at the beginning of the game maybe the nerves are a little bit less on edge he makes that you don't know what happens um the one field goal he misses the Bucks get back-to-back sacks knock them back I want to say a cumulative total of 16 yards uh same thing if he makes that kick from 16 yards closer maybe he kicks that a little bit earlier and he gets some more points for his team so I mean that's that's kind of where I kind of would try to kick the luck aspect of it. It wasn't just Dan Bailey missing the kicks. The Buccaneers defense also held up at some critical points to force them into those situations in the first place. And then the Vikings have to go for uh, either, I think it was five or six fourth downs during the course of the game. And some of that was because of a lack of confidence in Dan Bailey, of course. But 
the fact that they even went to those fourth downs kind of shows that the Buccaneers were able to put pressure on the Vikings at the most key uh, times to force them into situations they don't want to be in. Right. I, my point was was just to say that the, the games that they've won have really been more impressive performances, at least to me, outside of maybe the Giants game where I felt like, you know, th- this Buccaneers team, they're capable of absolutely dominating uh, an opponent. And this was this was one where, you know, they lose the yardage battle. Um, they, they lose the time of possession battle almost yeah. two to one. Uh, you know, the Vikings get 160 plus on the ground. So if you'd have told us that before the game, we probably would have thought the outcome would be different. And yet the Buccaneers still found a way to make the plays that they needed. As you as you mentioned, four yards per pass for Kirk Cousins. Uh, you're going to win a lot of games if that's your formula. Still, my my question here is, you know, Tom Brady under under 200 yards. I thought he played decent. Um, you know, the run game is is still searching. The 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 passing game is still not quite there on a consistent basis. What do they need to do to find that as they head into the playoffs? Or, or first of all, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think the passing game is where they want it to be, and I think the, really the biggest gap right now is the relationship between Tom and Mike Evans. Um, and it's been evident in the last couple of games they played. Some of the really intelligent analysts that have covered their games have kind of pointed it out to where they're not on the same page. When when the pressure is coming, when the read is hot, you know, when when it's got to come out quick, uh, he and Mike Evans are not quite on the same page. And and sometimes when Tom is trying to get the ball out fast, Mike doesn't have the same sense of urgency. So there's not really quite in tune right now. Um, what made me really happy today was to see the return of the deep ball to Scotty Miller because that's something that's been missing. Uh, in part because Scotty's been a little banged up, but then also the arrival of Antonio Brown. And it was just kind of discouraging to see them go away from because Scotty was a guy that early on in the season had really come on strong for the team and stepped up in some critical points. So you really wanted to see them get him re-involved in the offense. He only ends up with two targets, you know, but if he's out there on the field and teams know that they can connect like that, the way they did on a 48 yard, uh, just absolute dime dropped in the bucket. And then Credit to Scotty Miller catching the ball while a defender is hanging on his face mask. So, I mean, that's not an easy task either. And then 18 carries for Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is a guy that everybody, I mean, the national media started doing it uh, as recently as the Kansas City Chiefs game. I heard the analysts there talking about the the need to get Ronald Jones more involved. And I can tell you all the local media guys were praising hallelujah because we've been screaming for this offense to get Ronald Jones more involved. <laughs> and this week they finally did. He didn't break 100. But you know what? They were a 50-50 split between run and pass. And what we saw is that while the numbers weren't gaudy, this is kind of what Bruce Arians was talking about in his post-game press conference when he said we can do whatever we want. When they did decide to go underneath, it was open. When they decided to go deep, it was open. So what they want to do, they can do as long as the defense has to play honest. And the way they do that is by trying to run the ball. 18 carries for 80 yards, you keep the defense honest and it keeps the passing game available downfield. Yeah, the, the final numbers are going to look better for Dalvin Cook. He had more carries. Yeah. You know, Ronald Jones, 4.4 yards per attempt. Dalvin Cook, 4.6. Not that big a difference to your point. They were able to get what they wanted when they wanted it. When you look at the Bucs, we've seen them put together some some really impressive performances here and some really inconsistent performances. Yeah. Has anything that you've seen the last few weeks changed where you think this team can go in the NFC and anything that you saw on Sunday change your opinion of where this team is in terms of the NFC contender hierarchy? I think they're still in tier two. I still look at the Saints and I know, you know, they didn't they didn't come out with a win today, but Drew Brees is going to come back. And I think the Saints are still the tier one in the NFC. I think the tier two is Green Bay, uh, the Rams just from, I mean, they've, they've proven that they deserve that spot. And I still put yep. the bucks there, the Seahawks, I still think are a tier two. So, I mean, I think you have a very crowded second level in the NFC and then you have the one team on top. 
And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, this as well as I do every, all of them can beat each other any weekend. Um, yep. so they're all fully capable for the Buccaneers. The last six quarters have really, have really been important, I think. And, and you go back to Tony Romo talking about the second half versus the Kansas city chiefs and how much of that was them was the chiefs letting the foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, we talked to Ryan Tracy on that last Sunday, Ross and I did on our live show and we asked him, you know, is, is that something they do? And he said, no, they don't. Pat Mahomes and, and Coach Reed don't really take the foot off the pedal, so to speak, as much as people like to think they do. Um, so those those adjustments in the second half appear to have possibly been real. You look at this week and you see those adjustments again, the 50-50 split between the run pass never would have thought that would have happened two, three weeks ago. So the fact that they come out of the bye doing that, Leonard Fournette was an inactive scratch or a healthy inactive scratch. So, I mean, that is that that is really big. LaShawn McCoy getting more involved you kind of see them going back to a situation where it's not going to be all on Tom. And I think that's really what they need. And that's what the Patriots needed last year that they couldn't do. But this year, the Buccaneers are hopefully finally figuring that out. Uh, I'll tell you right now, Peter, they had two, three and outs. The Buccaneers offense had two, three and outs. Both of those possessions, they went pass heavy. So when they were running the ball and trying to mix in the run with the pass, use the play action, they were at least getting one or two first downs on the series. And if they go back and look at this tape, they're going to see the only time that it didn't work is when we decide just to just go with Tom, just throw Tom out there, the defense adjusts to it and, and they can stop it. Yeah. Just make a couple key throws. Uh, if you're Tom Brady and, and that can be enough with the way this defense is capable of playing with the playmakers Absolutely. that they have out there. David, always great to get your insight. Yeah, Peter. Thank you. Before we finish up, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And now it's even more delicious with six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp. And that's to go along with their stable of flavors like salted caramel, peanut butter, brownie, German chocolate, and so many more. All covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, not like a lot of protein bars out there that are gristly and gritty and gross. These all are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, even though they taste like you're eating a candy bar. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. One of the more remarkable sentences I have said this season, the Washington football team on a four-game win streak they take care of the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, 23-15, despite an injury to Alex Smith. Joining me now to break it down, Chris Russell. And Chris, we did not expect to see uh, Dwayne Haskins in this game. He gets in because of the injury uh, at the end of the first half to Alex Smith. What can you tell us about where the QB situation stands for Washington? Because the change to Alex Smith has been a pivotal move in the season mm-hmm. for Washington. Yeah, Peter, and and actually the 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 I guess progress with the offense really changed it when they first initially benched Haskins and went to Kyle Allen right. in between, but he too got injured a couple of times and then injured for the season, and that's what brought us to Alex Smith. So what happened was right before halftime uh, today, Washington's offense and Alex Smith, for that matter, were really struggling. He was very inaccurate. He was all over the place. Couldn't really get anything going through the pass game. He kind of slipped and torqued his his surgically repaired leg, of course, the 17 surgeries, uh, on a playing surface that three NFL games had been played on in the last seven days. Mm. Um, So Arizona played there last Sunday against the Rams. Monday night, it was San Francisco hosting Buffalo. And then, of course, today, uh, Sunday, was Washington at 
San Francisco in Arizona on the same field. And we know they move it in and out. It's real grass and all that. Guys were slipping the entire day. And Alex kind of just awkwardly contorted his leg. And, and again, the first thing you think of is, oh my God, something's wrong with the surgically repaired leg. Last week, it was the bloody sock on the opposite leg. But this time, again, it appeared to be very minor and precautionary if, if, from every indication. Ron said after the game that he could have gone back in if they needed him to. They decided out of a quote, abundance of caution to keep him out. He would not say definitively whether he would be the starter next week or whether it be Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but my very strong sense and hunch would be on a Sunday night uh, into a Monday morning that Alex is going to start if he can practice this week and if he is healthy. Uh, and maybe they err on the side of caution, but I, the sense that I have is they still don't trust Dwayne Haskins. And and one of the reasons why you, you can feel okay about Alex Smith being in there, who has not you know lit the world on fire by any means, is this Washington defense has been awesome. And Chase Young is a bona fide superstar player, the kind of guy that they thought they were getting when they took him with the number two overall pick. Defensively, it, it seems like that's that can carry them here. And it does seem like that's what separates them in what is a bad division do you see anyone else in the NFC East that that can you know be as this good? It just it seems to me Washington is clearly the best team in the East. Well, I, I mean, look, I have all the respect in the world for what the Giants and Patrick Graham have done on defense, but I know this: Washington's got a lot more talent, and yep. they didn't play Peter, and you know this: they didn't play very well and together and cohesively in the first half of the year. There was a stretch where they gave up 30-plus points, and it's not all on the defense, but 30-plus points four games in a row. Yep. And they were getting shredded on the ground up until the Sunday before Thanksgiving when Joe Burrow and the Bengals came to town. Um, and since that point, now they weren't as good stopping the run on Sunday. Uh, Raheem Mostert, I think, got 68 yards uh, and had some success running outside. Jeff Wilson, before he got banged up, had 30-some-odd yards and a touchdown. He had some success. Um, so they weren't as good stopping the run Sunday as they normally, as they have been over the last three weeks. But they weren't bad. They were well under what is the NFL per game average. Uh, and, you know, and that's the 49ers really, are a really good running team. We know that. Yes, absolutely. And and that's been the key to turning this around, because when you have the horses and when you have the talent that they have and you can force teams to throw only or to throw largely. Uh, and again, I'm not saying they absolutely did that today, but when you can do that, as they did to Ben Roethlisberger last Monday night and so on, and when they can do that in a given game, they just pin their ears back and they either get home on and they don't blitz a lot. They get home on the pressure because they have so much natural talent. Or, you know what they also do really well? And we've seen this with Montez Sweat, but Chase Young does it. Deron Payne does it. They get and into throwing lanes and they alter them and they knock them yep. passes down or they twist. And, and they also close really, really good, Peter, in space on screens. They are backside chasers. They're like ambulance chasers, quite honestly, in a, in a good way <laughs> yeah. because that's what they do and they're that athletic. 
Yeah, in 45 attempts by Nick Mullins, Washington had 11 passes defended and 12 quarterback hits. So, yeah. I mean, that that tells you what they're able to do defensively. I guess my big question, and, and as I said, I think Washington is the best team in this, in this division. I think they're go- ultimately going to win the division because I think the stabilizing force, assuming Alex Smith can stay healthy with this defense, is enough. But I look at them offensively, and scary Terry McLaurin is it's such a fun player. But when your offense features this much Logan Thomas, I worry about yep. your ability to be scary in the postseason. So what do you what do you see offensively? Yeah, so it's really weird. They've won these three games in a row on the road, four games in a row overall, and the last two games in six days or five and a half days with Terry McLaurin having, get this, 12 targets combined, four catches, and 40 yards. Unbelievable. So that's either that's either really bad or really good. Right. It depends on how you look at it, right? I mean, because they need more production out of him, but they've also won these games because other guys have stepped up. J.D. McKissick is a constant um, weapon for them or source of production, usually better in the passing game. Today, he was better in the running game. You mentioned Logan Thomas. You know, Logan Thomas, six catches, seven targets, 43 yards. That's nothing compared to what he did last Monday night where he was nine for 98 and one. And he's yep. got five touchdowns on the year, Peter. And, and listen, he's not, you know, he's not Kelsey. He's not uh, a stud by any means, but he's been way better than anybody thought he would be, number one. Absolutely. And he's been a consistent, reliable force for them outside of one or two games where he had some dropsies. And usually they get much better production from guys like Cam Sims and a little spray from Steven Sims from time to time. You know, they didn't get much tonight because their quarterbacks, quite honestly, both Alex Smith uh, and Dwayne Haskins both stunk, uh, <laughs> and they were also harassed by a good defense. I mean, I think we all know uh, Robert Sala is a, a, a good defensive coordinator. He's going to be yep. a head coach soon, and they've still got some talent despite not having Bosa and, and Buckner and you know and Solomon Thomas and all those guys, uh, and they lost Fred Werner uh, at, at some point during the game tonight. So the bottom line is, is I, I – Look, am I concerned about their offense? Absolutely. You asked me, are they the best? I think they're clearly more talented on defense than the Giants. And I think if the offenses were side-by-side, especially without Saquon Barkley, yeah, I, I mean, I'd say Washington is every bit as good as the Giants, if not slightly better, just because I trust Alex Smith a little bit more, assuming that he comes back, than Daniel Jones. I think that is totally fair. I'm 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 actually excited to see Washington in a playoff game because I think their defense can muck it up. And I I just love watching Chase Young and Montez Sweat hunt quarterbacks. It is one of my don't forget, favorite don't things. Forget about Cam. Yeah, don't forget about Cam Curl too. Who had the pick six tonight. He's yep. a seventh round rookie out of Arkansas. He's been he's been awesome all year long, playing multiple multiple positions. And their linebackers are starting to finally come around. Uh, they struggled with them big time, but John Bostic, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and Cole Holcomb made some big plays in this win. It turns out when you have an adult in the room, and, and I mean that yeah. at, at quarterback and at head coach, it uh, it really helps your team. Chris, I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and uh, executive in charge of the operation, too. That's That's been a, a huge change, too. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate you having me. All right, Ross Jackson and Luke Braun on the show tomorrow to talk about the Monday night game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. I just want to say I think the Ravens win. I think the Ravens win convincingly. I I need more. I need to see more 
from the Browns to, before I'm, I'm I'm willing to believe it. And and Baltimore is a three point favorite on the road in Cleveland on Monday night. I think Baltimore clearly is the better team, but if Cleveland goes out and gets a win, I will absolutely have to start taking this Browns team serious and they have to be taken seriously in that division because the Steelers took this L on Sunday night to the Bills who now clearly look like the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the network on Twitter at Locked on NFL Pods. We are here every Monday to bring you the big stories with our local experts Locked on NFL here the rest of the week. You'll hear me again next Monday. Until then, stay locked on NFL.